Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we look at the dual themes of training and joy found in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. Our existence is a balance between effort and celebration, stewardship and trust. The life of Jesus is like a pace-setting runner. Where he runs, we ought to follow. We also spend time in this episode talking about an interesting translation of charis, or grace, and how it affects our lives. Uh, We'll be in Hebrews chapter 12. I know chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith, but you know chapters in the Bible are arbitrary. They're not not inspired. They're just for us, us to reference. And uh, we do start here, chapter 12, with therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So we have a, 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 a turning point here. What, what witnesses are we surrounded by? All the people, all the people we just talked about, right? And uh, so, so we're going to have an application here. And we're going to introduce the ultimate hero. Last week we talked about the hopeful heroes being these people who actually ended up in the Hall of Faith. They were, they were faithful. They were, um, they were uh, obedient. And they were also extremely flawed. Uh, a prostitute, a, uh, a coward, a wimp. And they, these guys are tremendously inspirational to me because it tells us anybody can step into God's plan of, of uh, uh, instruction and say, I'll do that, and put you into this uh, sonship, this inheritance to be trained. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, training and joy. That's the two themes for today, training and joy. So let's start with chapter 12 here. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Okay, so we we got all these great witnesses. We got um, Abel, and we got Noah. You know, Noah built an ark. God said, hey, the judgment's coming, and it's going to be something you can't even conceive of. Uh, You know, the whole world's going to be destroyed. There was no precedent for that. There'd been no nothing like that that had ever happened before. God said, this is going to happen, so build an ark. And Noah said, okay. So a hundred years he builds an ark. And then God comes along and says uh, to Abraham, hey, leave your home. You're 75 years, I know, but uh, leave your home. I'll, I'll take you to a place where I'll make your name great and I'll build you a nation. I'll bless all the families of the earth through you. And Abraham says, okay. Uh, so we've got these tremendous witnesses here that did what God asked them to do. And so the, the, the uh, conclusion there, the point is, okay, therefore, since you've got these witnesses, take all the encumbrances that you have and set them aside. And what are those encumbrances? What does he tell us? Sin. Yeah, the sin that so easily ensnares us. So we got all this weight. Okay, so the, the picture here is you've got the guys at the starting line of this marathon, and you look over, and there's Travis, and he's got on his 80-pound backpack, and he's got his M1 in one hand, and you look at him, and what do you say? He, he's not going to make it, right? Yeah. So take that stuff off. 
Get, get rid of the weights. All this sin, it's all weights. Lay it aside. And lay aside the sin that, in, that so easily ensnares us and run. Now, who's ahead of you in the race? Jesus, okay? So keep your eye on Jesus. Uh, let's go back to chapter 2 in, in the Hebrews. And uh, let's just take a look at Jesus uh, clearing the path for us there, how, how that's stated. So Jesus in chapter 2, uh, verse 10, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory. Now there's the finish line. Okay? Many sons to glory. So it's the idea you got this race, and Jesus is out in front. And we're all behind. And what's his goal for us? Bring us with him. Bring us with him. Okay, he wants us to want to finish. To make the captain or the, the, the leader, the inaugurator of their salvation. Remember this salvation here is from the sin that so easily ensnares us so we can run the race. These, this whole book's written to believers. So get us to get to the end and make it perfect through sufferings. That's the race. And you just have to get through it, right? That's the point of the race. So um, it's, it's the picture that comes all the way through the Scripture. Let's go back to 12 now. He had a joy that was set before him. And because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, what was the joy that was set before him? He despised the shame. Okay, we've, we've, we'll talk about that a little bit. And it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this doesn't seem to us like all that big of a deal. Now, I probably you probably were really happy to sit down after running that race. But, I mean, just resting is not the point here. The point here is uh, that he sat down where he sat down. It's not that he got to sit down. It's where he sat down. Where is he sitting down? Right hand of the throne of God. Now, uh, in the very amusing and engaging story that Mark Twain wrote uh, uh, called The Prince and the Pauper, there's two young boys. Uh, One is a king. One is a a street urchin. And they get switched. Then they happen to look identical. And they get switched. And the street urchin is picked up, and the court thinks he's the king. And he has no idea what's going on, can't follow the protocol, uh, is acting you know, completely outside himself. So they all decide he's gone nuts and has amnesia, so they all start covering for him. The, the prince, on the other hand, is now a street urchin, and he's treating everyone like he's the king, ordering people around and so forth. And they all think the kid's nuts. And this one young sort of knight, this... This courageous uh, uh, young man who's a, a, a man at arms kind of takes pity on the poor boy who thinks he's a king and decides to kind of go along with him and keep him out of trouble. So, uh, and he plays along with the, with the gag. So that when, when the kid sits to eat, he makes this guy stand. Why does he make him stand? He's in the presence of royalty, right? So the guy plays along and he stands. And one day, uh, the kid's in mortal danger and he's, he's saved. He, the, guy, the, the guy saves his life. That's why he came along in the first place. And so the young man says, 
Um, as your reward, I will grant you what, whatever you want in my kingdom. What do you want in my kingdom? And he says, to sit in the king's presence. And he says, it is granted. So at the end of the story, uh, of course, the kid, the, the switch is discovered and the pauper is reinstated as the king. And this young knight realizes, oh my gosh, he really is a king. He's not just nuts. And so right there in the middle of all these people that are, that are ceremoniously welcoming the king back, he pulls up a chair and sits down. And what happens in the crowd? Yeah, they all gasp because they know what's about to happen. What's going to happen? He's going to be drug off and his head chopped off. So the guards run over there to grab him and the king says, stop. It's his hereditary right. Because you don't sit in the presence of a king. Only royalty. Only an inheritor sits in the presence of the king. Someone who's in the line. That's the only person that sits down. Well, Jesus is the firstborn. He's the first of the sons. He's the one that's gone in the race first. Because a son is someone who inherits. And we've all already been granted this sonship. The question is, are we going to possess it? We saw the example of the people who failed in the first part of Hebrews. They were given a possession, the land. And God said, it's yours, go take it. And they said, it's too hard. We can't do it. We're not going to obey. And so he said, okay. You lose it then. Wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Never mind. We'll go in and get it. No, nope. it's too late. It's gone. You cross, the, you cross the threshold. Which is why all through Hebrews we're told the time to run the race is when? Today. Today, while you hear his voice, do not disobey as they did in the wilderness. The bad example. And now we're given the good examples. Do like these guys. Even the hopeful heroes. A prostitute. A coward. I mean, it's never too late, no matter what our backgrounds are. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Now, focus in on that word joy. We're going to look at this word joy real quick because it is one of our two themes today. And this word joy is the Greek word uh, charis. So we got two charas, C-H-A-R-A, and then we've got one charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And they're going to be a little bit different. So we've got kara, that is joy. We've got karas, that is going to be translated grace. And I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you that it's favor. Okay, so let's look at the three, let's just look at these three words. And uh, I'll show you why I think this, uh, the third application is favor. Because this is what we're after, right? If, if we're going to be running a race, we need to understand what the finish line is. So let's look at the finish line, the sitting down. And by the way, the three points for today, so we're going to have two themes and three points. The two themes are joy and training. And the three points are standing up, running, and sitting down. Okay, can you remember that? Sit, standing up, running, and sitting down. Okay, so we've already talked about running, and we've talked about sitting down. Interestingly enough, this passage is going to have us standing up at the end. 
Okay, so for the joy set before him endured the cross. So we've got looking out at the finish line, and the joy set before us is to sit down. So the sitting down is at the end. The next time joy comes up is uh, verse 11. So no training seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Anybody, anybody understand painful for training? It seems painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So we get this benefit, joy, and we get righteousness because of the training. The third time that this word shows up, joy, is in verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now, I'm, I'm going to set this up so that when we read the whole passage, I think it'll make complete sense to you. But this grace here, I think, should would be better translated favor. Let's look at Luke one thirty. the first time that this shows up in the Scripture. Luke one thirty. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, or grace. Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. We get our word charisma from this. So, favor with God. Which is a good translation here. And I, I think that's what we're talking about here is um, don't lose that which give, God looks on as favorable. Because that, That's the whole thing. What, what was the initial point to Hebrews chapter 11? Without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. Well, this, whole, this whole chapter is about pleasing God. Uh, let's look at 240. Luke 2.40. And the child grew, this is just talking about uh, Jesus, and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, this is not saving grace, is it? Well, one of the problems we have with the word grace is we, we've been taught the word grace means what? Unmerited favor, right? Um, did Jesus have unmerited favor heaped upon him so that he could, instead of not go to hell? See, it, it's, a, it's a contextual word. Sometimes it means that. When it's grace applied to justification, that's exactly what it means because it's just given. But when it's applied in a context where you know, we're doing something, it's, it's favor. And sometimes it's deserved or not deserved. 252. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor, chorus, with God and men. Uh, and just one more. It's kind of a beat on this horse, dead horse a little bit. Uh, 6.32, Jesus speaking, But if you love those who love you, what? Chorus, is that for you? It's good translated credit. What favor do you get from that? What's got, is God going to approve that? And say, wow, that's really amazing that you were nice to someone who was doing something for you. Well, no, not really. Anybody does that. That's the point. Okay, so let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me go through one more word. Can you look through here and see the word chastening? Can just what your eye fall on the word? Does it, do you see it? Does it pop out at you? Just in the chapter, does it pop out? Let me just show you. Verse, verse 5. What is it? Six. six, yeah, six. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. What son is there? The Father does not chasten. 
Verse 8, but if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate, not sons. Therefore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. Same word. And we paid them respect, shall we not much more readily subjection to the Father and spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. What do you think a main point of this is? Okay, let's look at this word chastening. Does anybody know what this word is, by the way? It's the Greek word. Well, the root of it, it's got, you know, different tenses, but the root of it is paideo. Does that ring a bell with anyone? Paideo. We get an English word from this word. Pedagogy. Okay, pedagogy. It's a word you use probably every day, huh? Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. Training. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.